evening. Good to, good to see you here. We are uh, wrapping up our series of messages uh, on authentic friends. Today we're looking at parenting, how to raise kids so that at the end of the effort, you have an authentic friend. <clears throat> um, those are the good kind. You want an authentic friend, somebody who's real, genuine, somebody you can count on, and a friend who really looks out for your best. So we're going to dig in today and look at some things that Scripture says about that. And I, I think there's going to be some stuff in this message for everyone, whether or not you're a parent. I'm speaking more directly to parents and grandparents, possibly, but I think there's going to be some stuff for teens and college-age students and all of us who have stuff to learn. And I'd like to encourage you, if you have adult kids and you have a, a, a rougher relationship with them, you struggle in your relationship with them, don't spend a lot of time in the rearview mirror. I mean, there may be some lessons to learn, but take the things I'm talking about. Sometimes I get, I get discouraged uh, when, I, when I hear the truth and I'm like, ah, oh, I know that's right. I should have done that. Um, but, but, you know, God nor I really want you to feel condemned or discouraged by this. So don't spend too much time in the river. Remember, take, uh, mirror, take what you're hearing and learning and apply it to maybe your grandkids or some other young ones that are around. Um, that's going to be important. I remember the first time I held my, my son, he was our firstborn, in my arms. I looked at him and I thought, wow. I'm responsible for, for this human being. And there's a, there's a wealth of emotion and sense of responsibility like I've never felt before for another person. Um, and so I, I remember that day. And when, when that happens, when God blesses you with the child, you sort of have, well, you don't sort of, you have dreams. You, you think about how you want this to go, you know, and you, you just are thinking this is going to be, I think this is going to be a great relationship that we have. And you hope that they grow up and you can relate to them and enjoy them and have, have the kind of friendship you want with your kids. Then you bring them home and they begin to drain the life out of you. <laughs> <laughs> That's your first clue <laughs> that this isn't quite going to be what you thought. But, you know, you, you're, you're committed. You're a parent, so you're taking care of the baby. One thing for sure is that if, if you're going to raise kids that you want to be the kind of friend that you'd like to have, you have to be intentional about it. You have to do that on purpose. It doesn't just happen by accident. The only things that happen by chance in parenting are not good. So you have to choose to be intentional. Now, what we're talking about today, it's not going to be a 100% foolproof recipe that will guarantee your kids turn out right. That's my disclaimer at the beginning. But we're going to look at some keys from Scripture that give a lot of guidance for how to relate to our kids in the way that will help them become people that you'd want to be friends with. The starting point today, think, of, think ahead. If you're a parent of young children, think ahead to the kind of child, kind of adult, I mean, kind of adult that you'd want them to be. Now, what kind of friends do we want? We want to have friends who are easy to relate to. They don't get upset easily. 
when things are unclear or when there's a problem in the relationship, they clarify that, they get it right, they get it straightened out, they admit their faults, they ask forgiveness, they give forgiveness freely. They're considerate people. They think of others' feelings and needs before they say something or before they act. They, they pull their weight. In, in a team situation or a group situation or a family situation, when you're working together, they pull their weight. They don't leave other people holding the bag of responsibility. They're trustworthy and respectful. They're respectful. They, they're respectful of rights, boundaries, other people's duties and things, others' dignity. They, they can be counted on. They tell the truth. They're keeping their word. They, they're loyal in the right kind of way. They have the wisdom to make right decisions. Think about the day that you drop your child off at college. They leave the house. They're on their own. Maybe it's not college. Maybe they just move out into an apartment. Think about that day. You want them to have the wisdom to make good decisions because there is no mama cam or daddy cam at that point. They're on their own. They're making decisions. And, and you want them to be able to make decisions. They think about consequences. They look ahead to anticipate problems that are coming up on their own. They're making decisions. They're circumspect. They think about all the different angles of a decision or a situation that they're facing. And they realize if they say yes to this, that means I'm going to have to say no to, to something else. I can't just keep piling stuff on. They're thinking about their commitments and how it all works out. Um, they understand that bad consequences hurt. So these, these are the kind of people, this is the kind of person you want to hang out with. This, this is the kind of friend that you want. How do you come up with that? How do you play a role in the life of your child to help them get to the point where they are someone you can enjoy? And someone who, when they're dropped in an office, or in a neighborhood, or on a team, or in a group of some kind, they're a real blessing to the people around them. People enjoy them. They're a help. They, they really make a difference wherever they are. How do you come up with that? From the time they're in the car seat to the time when they go off to college or they move out of the house, how does that happen? That's what we're going to look at today. First thing, train the friend you want. You have to train the friend you want. I don't mean by superimposing control over them. But if, if you rewind from the kind of friend you'd like to have and begin to do everything you can to help your child become that person, you are giving them a huge head start. Because they will be a blessing to, to the people around them. They will do well in life. So that's our role as parents. We're, we're to try to help them become the people that will be a blessing and will be blessed as they make choices in their life and as they live the life that God has given them to live. The first thing we have to do, according to Scripture, is train a squirrely heart. <laughs> You've seen squirrels. We see them a lot. They dart from here and there. They're all over the place. They're running all over. They're, they're darting different places. Some of them you even see squashed on the street. I know that's sad. First service had a real reaction, the ladies. But sometimes that happens. 
We have hearts like this. They're all over the place. Oh, you know, I want to follow God. No, I want to do what I want. They're all over the place. And sometimes we get squashed if we're not careful. So we have to guard our hearts. And we need to train our kids. Our role as parents is to train our kids uh, to, to train this habit. We have this problem, these problems, and, and we all struggle with it. You find them in uh, Proverbs 22 and Ecclesiastes 9. We're selfish, arrogant, hurtful by nature. comes naturally to us. Um, Proverbs 22:15. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of dis- discipline will drive it far from him. Uh, folly, it, it's a Hebrew word that this was originally written in that means I want my way. I want what I want, and I want it right now. In Ecclesiastes 9, <clears throat> there are a couple other problems. Our hearts are stubbornly selfish. That's number one. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, Ecclesiastes 9.3 says, The hearts of men, moreover, are full of evil, and there is madness in their hearts while they live, and afterward they join the dead. Um, the word madness can be translated arrogance, really, is a way to translate it. It means to exalt yourself. The reason it's translated Madness is because it's crazy to exalt yourself. Because when you do that, when you choose arrogance, God, one of the things God has built into the way life works is you, you lift yourself up. You're, 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 you're uh, elevating, getting ready for a fall. And so that's crazy. But that's something that's in our hearts, arrogance. We, we, we think we deserve to have our way because we've tried really hard. To get our way. We've tried really hard and we deserve it. So we want our way. We, we deserve our way. And then evil is in our hearts while we live. Ecclesiastes 9 says that means harm. If you don't let me have my way, I'm willing to hurt you by what I say and do. This is, this is how we're wired. These things show up in our relationships and in the way we handle our responsibilities. In, in the Bible, it's clear that there are out of this folly, these follies, um, selfishness, arrogance, and harm, five foolish patterns develop that we need to avoid. Now, we're inclined to one of these or maybe a mix of one or two of these. And as you get into Scripture, you can come up with, there's nine different words for fool in Hebrew. There's one word in, in English. And if you look at the different Hebrew words, you take them, and I'm going to summarize what they are. Like, for instance, in the lazy liar, that's one of the patterns. That's the Hebrew word kasil. But you can come up with a profile of people that you know. You know these people. You, you are them, <laughs> some of them. And, and we, we actually did a series several years back where Ian drew some caricatures of these guys. He nailed it in the caricatures. They, they were great. But... You recognize them in yourself, and you'll see them in your kids. One of those is a lazy liar. This is a pattern. This one doesn't work, but lies to, to avoid the consequences of their laziness. So when it's exposed that they haven't done what they have begun to do, they'll deceive and lie and try to cover it up. Uh, secondly, an angry manipulator. Uh, they drive their agenda by getting upset. <clears throat> they sulk or they blow up. They have a strategy for however they get upset. They tend to work that way. And they're trying to get their way. So if you don't give it to them, they sort of 
get upset. And you tend to try to give them as much of their way as you're willing to, just keep them from blowing or sulking. Um, a third pattern is recklessness, to be reckless. This person acts first and thinks later. Uh, they tend to get into drugs, alcohol, sex. They just, the blinders are on. And whatever looks good right, right now, they want. Uh, shopping can be this way. You just, I want this. I don't care how much it costs. I don't care how in debt I go. I'm just going to buy it. And then you're, you're, you're not paying attention to the consequences at all. You're just doing what you want to do. The fourth pattern is an arrogant limelighter. They push their way into the limelight constantly. Um, divas, prima donnas. I used to call them glory hogs on the playground in elementary school. A glory hog was anybody who didn't let me have the ball so I could shoot and be the star. <laughs> that was a glory hog. Hey, a glory hog. He's a glory hog, man. He hogs the ball, and he always wants to be the one getting the, the attention. And then finally, uh, a pattern of cruelty. These are the people you see on the news, the serial killers and rapists. Uh, they exist. They're predators. This is a predatory way. Two-faced people who enjoy hurting each other, or hurting others. Sorry. Um, they're out there. These are patterns that we all struggle with. And that's, that last one's more rare, uh, but they're the ones to be aware of. Uh, but these are patterns that we all struggle with. They're different flavors, sort of like Baskin-Robbins. You know, there's 31 flavors. We mix and match. But they're all foolishness. And you'll see them in the hearts of your kids as they begin to live their life. Our role as a parent is to train the folly and the foolishness out of them to the best of our ability, to the, the, the way that God gives us the ability to do that. The media encourages these strategies. Some of these are the heroes in the media. And so we, have, we actually have competitors for the hearts of our kids. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But that's what's going on. Um, finally, or next, that brings us to uh, the goal of parenting, the training goal. We want to raise a wise adult. That's our goal, to, to leave folly, we're to train a squirrely heart, and aim to raise a wise adult. They make good decisions. They can look over the choices that they're facing in life and pick the best out of all the choices. Proverbs 23, 15 and 16. My son, if your heart is wise, then my heart will be glad. My inmost being will rejoice when your lips speak what is right. This is the dad who's, as, as you watch your children make good choices, there's a lot of joy that comes from that. Proverbs 27, be wise, my son, and bring joy to my heart. Then I can answer anyone who treats me with contempt. You know, people may think you're a little off, but if you raise a wise kid, boy, that really increases your reputation. I mean, that, that, that makes you look a lot better. So that's our training goal. And the way training works, you go from simple to complex. You don't give a two-year-old a lecture, a short statement, stop, or you're going to die. <laughs> that really helps sometimes. Actually, I was watching um, a talk show one night, and Michael J. Fox was talking about taking care of his two-year-old. He said, yeah, I'm on suicide watch. I'm just trying to keep the kid from killing himself. <laughs> That's my role. And what you do is you move from simple to complex, and you move from 
parent control to parent coaching to self-control. That's, that's what you want to do as you, as you work through this. It's not an option for your two-year-old to run with scissors. So you step in and you take control. You're big enough. You stop them. You take the scissors and you don't let them do that. Then when they get a little older, by about seven or eight, you want to shift to parental coaching. You begin to coach them. And sometimes you fall back to control if they're getting themselves in trouble. If they get over their head and and they're starting to think, you dive in and rescue them. But you're sort of monitoring that. But all the time you're beginning to coach. You're starting to talk them through situations and help them figure out what's going on. More and more, you're, you're finding out what, what's happened in their day, and you're helping them not live the same circumstances over and over and over again. You want them to learn from what they're going through, to see patterns and to understand things. And so that's a, a shift. If you don't make that shift in parenting, your kids start to resent you because you're taking control over things that are really their it's their life to figure out. And, and they begin to resent the fact that you're barging in to control them in those areas. So it's really important to learn as you grow the right boundaries, as your kids grow. Uh, you want to draw those boundaries. Because if there aren't any boundaries, if it's their life, but you're taking control of it, and it feels to them like it's, it's the parent's life, they resent that. They, they don't like that. They don't know where you begin and where they end and where all that starts. So... Um, so we shift from parent control to parental coaching to self-control. By about 15 or 16, you want them to be able to choose, you know, the right things themselves. Um, if not, there's trouble brewing in that. So uh, that's, that's the way it works. What you also want to do is impart values and not just ideas. Ideas are helpful and they're necessary. But values will guide our choices. They're, they're more important than information. And I use the word in part because values are caught more than they're taught. They're caught like a cold. You're infected by them. And one way or the other, you as a parent are handing off your values to your kids, for good or bad. That's what happens. There are two great tasks that we have as parents. If we're following Christ, if we've decided to follow him, number one is to walk with the Lord, to walk with Christ, develop our relationship with Him. And number two is to help our kids handle life from God's perspective. We, we want to help them figure it out. Now, most Americans think God respects my opinion. And He's probably going to check with me before He decides how this is going to turn out. That's not the case. God operates life the way that he thinks it should work, in line with righteousness, justice. And, and he has decided the way things work in this world. The maker doesn't consult the made. We're the ones who were made, and he's the one who made us. And so our kids, they naturally take a selfish, arrogant, hurtful angle toward things. Our role is to teach them differently to understand what God says and, and how life works from his perspective and then hand that off to our kids. So that brings us to the training ground. 
We're trying to train our children to be a friend that we would want to have. And that means we've got to train the squirrel out of them. And we've got to begin to go through a process of shifting here and there. And then we need to use everyday life as a training ground. Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 7 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, or with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Routine life, routine responsibilities, everyday life is an opportunity to train our kids. Dressing, chores, being on time, schoolwork. If it turns out that you have a lazy liar, a kid with a tendency to be a lazy liar, you need to help them see the pattern and point out the consequences. Uh, if in problem situations or in, in life, it turns out that one of your children is, is, is struggling with anger. In fact, maybe they're an angry manipulator. You need to help them point out what, how that's working against them, how that's hurting their relationships, how that's affecting them. Um, as they deal with problem people, as they deal with disappointment. How many of you were disappointed this week? Kids, kids aren't the only ones that deal with disappointment. We need to help them figure out how to do that. How do you do that rightly and, and handle that? As, as you learn how to deal with, or as you deal with personal failure and learn how to deal with it before God, you can hand that off to your kids. So the training ground is everyday life. And the key, Deuteronomy 6 says, is to soak up God's word, get it in your heart, and talk about it as you live life with your kids. While you're watching TV, while you're driving around. My kids used to make fun of me because I answer back. I talk to the TV. Stuff's going on. I'm like, all right, like that's going to work. Yeah, that, that's probably one of their memories. When I'm gone, they're going to say, remember, Dad? He was... You know, but that, that's just talk about it while it's going on. Talk about the movies you watch. Debrief. Say, hey, what do you think? Do you think that's really how life works? You know, you, your life's a mess. You fall in love and things go great. Do you think that's, you think that's right? I mean, <laughs> so just talk about this stuff while you're driving around, do, while they're doing homework, while they're dealing with homework, while they don't want to do homework, whatever it is. Parenting is a full-time position. It is not a hobby. It's not something you dabble at. But when you have a child and you hold that child in your arms, you're responsible to help them grow to be a wise adult. I remember one time, unexpectedly, Cindy and I spent six hours with one of our kids trying to help them apologize to their grandmother, to my mom, for something they had done. Six hours. That was six hours out of our day. We were not going to lose that battle because, she, uh-oh, <laughs> they <laughs> needed to learn to, to apologize and ask forgiveness. Sorry. Whoever's listening, use the first take. <clears throat> this goes on the Internet. Oh, man, she might listen. Uh, sorry about that. <laughs> Anyway, the training process, moving right along. Pray for them. You need God's help, and they need God's help. Ask God to work in them to do the things that only he can do.
teach perspective, not just facts and figures, but God's angle on things, perspective. This is, this is what you get from Scripture. As, as you listen to the Word, one of the most helpful things is figuring out how God put life together. And that's what happens when you get in Scripture. As you come here and listen to the Scripture being taught, as you get into it for, for your own self, begin to learn to get your own groceries in the Word, uh, you grow in a certain kind of knowledge. Um, it's not information like science and math, which most kids wonder why you need that. Um, but it is important. But, but you grow in a kind of knowledge where you, you understand what's important to God and you, under, you begin to understand cause and effect, how he's made life work. And as you learn that, relay those things to your kids. That's, that's what Deuteronomy 6 was talking about. At their level, relay those things in a way that they'll understand. What we're learning in the scripture is how life really works. What lying leads to, what laziness leads to, what anger brings about, what kind of people make the best friends, and why it works that way. The reason life works the way it is, there, there are three basic reasons. We cause, we do stuff and people react. The things that happen in our life, that's one thing, that's one reason. We've done something and people are reacting. Another reason is God gets involved and punishes some things, and God gets involved and blesses some things. As you get into Scripture, you learn what those are. You begin to understand how God has put life together. You, you figure out what is true and also what is real. What is true is the earth is 25,000 miles around, but does that really matter in your everyday life? Not usually, unless you're taking a test. But... The law of gravity, now that's, that's something you can't ignore. I, I forgot when I was working on my house one night, two, well, it was 2 o'clock in the morning, been working all day, and I was scraping the ceiling, and I kept, I forgot I was on a ladder, and I just kept going, and I did a flip. Thankfully, I didn't break my neck. But I ignored the law of gravity, and it hurt. <laughs> and that's the kind of stuff you learn in Scripture. You ignore the principles that God has laid out, cause and effect, the way he's made life to work, and it hurts. And so these are the kind of things that we need to tell our kids. We need to explain that telling the truth is not only right, it makes relationships better. That treating your brother and sister the right way, it's not only right, but it it makes your relationship good for years to come. And if you become a rebel, you will never be happy. You're going to have a rough life, so I'm training you to rightly obey. You know, obey, obey quickly. I remember saying that a lot. Obey quickly because you, you won't be happy if you don't learn to obey. And Jesus will be happy, and that makes all the difference. So this is the kind of thing we want to be talking about. We want to train skills into our kids, how to relate to people, how to handle responsibilities, appropriate words and behavior, how to make good decisions, all, all that kind of stuff. How to read situations, as they deal with situations. Talk about it. What do you think would happen uh, if the situation comes up again? The answer is probably the same thing. There are pattern, patterns that they're dealing with in relationships and handling their responsibilities. Look for the patterns and help them see how they're showing up. Help them learn. Life is a training opportunity for your kids. 
I remember when uh, our son Thad was going into fourth grade. There were, you know, there's several options. A lot of parents choose, you know, they look at the the, the teachers and um, decide where they're going to go. And I think there's some wisdom in that. Uh, but for our, Thad's fourth grade year, he had a team teaching. Uh, he ended up in a team teaching class, and one of the teachers had a reputation for being mean. And I, that could be good. If you're a parent, you're thinking, okay, that could be good because they're strict. That's a, that's a kid's interpretation. But she was a little gruff. And we thought, you know what, we're going to leave that in there because he needs to learn to relate to people like that. And so we did. She loved that, but he never knew it. <laughs> he, he, he had no clue because she was gruff. She, she had a good heart, but she, she was a little, little gruff to be around. But that's, that was a training opportunity for him because he's going to have to learn to relate to all kinds of people. So you train skills for handling different situations. You want to impart values. You want to teach them what's important to God. Because that turns out to be very helpful. If you choose the things that are important to him, he honors that and blesses that in your life. You want to help them, you want to allow them to make appropriate choices at their level of ability to do that and experience the consequences and not shield them from that. And then finally, under training our kids, stay ahead of the media mentors. The media has a training program for your kids. And what they want to do is they want to tell your child what they should do and which product will help them do that. <clears throat> they, carry out, they carry out their training program by defining cool. There's a good video called Merchants of Cool. It's a PBS production. It's really good. It shows how they do this, at, at different, at mainly the teenage level. But they define cool, what, what you're going to get high status for having and doing, and they use TV, movies, music, video games. And then what your kids experience is the group pressure for the, from the kids who, who bought into that definition of cool. And you, you, are, you have to battle that as a parent. That, that's a battle that you, you've got to get in. Um, you've got to stay ahead of the media mentors. A helpful website is FocusOnTheFamily.com. There's some real help. Uh, there's some sections. There's a section on ent- entertainment. Before you watch a movie, you can, you can check it out, find out what's being said and then what's glorified or whatever in that movie. And very, very helpful stuff on that website. There's all kinds of uh, helpful hints and information there. So we want to train our children. Then secondly, be the example he or she needs. 1 Corinthians 11.1, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. You are his or her role model. It turns out that the way you live your life is an instruction video for them. They're watching and they're learning. And they're trying to figure out, they're, they're figuring out how to put life together by watching you put your life together. This goes for you know, our emotional responses, relational, spiritual, and practical. Every, every way they're, they're watching. And we're showing them how to handle emotional struggles. We're showing them how to live uh, spiritual life. Uh, we're showing them how to walk with the Lord Jesus if we've chosen to do that. And so we want to be the spiritual adult that they can imitate. Uh, parents tend to say, do as I say, not as I do. 
that doesn't work. There was a study done several years back at UC Berkeley that showed um, that kids profess to believe what their moms believe, but they live like their dads. They, they say what their mom says, but they act like their dads. And so dads, uh, you play a key role in the life of your kids. I remember my dad and I, uh, we were in ending guides for, I don't know, a month or two. Seems like it was a very short amount of time. But I learned two things in ending guides. First of all, that my dad and I are pals forever. Secondly, that um, <clears throat> church life and ministry have a high priority. This is, this is how I learned it. First one was I was running around. He had told me not to run around. I was running around. Some kid shoved me into the table, and I cut my ear open to the point where I needed stitches. And on the way home from that meeting, I must have been asking my dad, Dad, are we still pals forever? Because that's the theme of Indian guides. Dad, I must have asked him all the way home. This, I'm imagining this. I don't really remember. Dad, are we still pals forever? My brother-in-law tells the story. He was at my house. My dad got out of the car, slammed the door. Yes, we're pals forever. Loud enough for the whole neighborhood to hear it. So I learned that. No matter what, we're still pals forever under duress. But the second thing I learned is my dad, before we got involved in Indie Guys, he said, do you guys do, you, do, you do things? Are there a lot of events on, acti- uh, on Sunday, a lot of activities on Sunday? And they told him no. But it turns out Sunday after Sunday there was stuff to do. And so we wouldn't go. And I think the thing that got my dad the most is he, he had asked them and they said no. And then I had to miss all those activities. So what I learned is you build your life around what's really important. And you say no to some stuff to say yes to some others. And so I learned how important church life and ministry was for my dad. We want our kids to follow God. But do we put sports, fun, TV, entertainment ahead of our personal growth? Do you coast spiritually? If you do, your kids are going to coast spiritually. Do we give God the crumbs of our time, our money, and our energy? If you do, that's what your kids are going to do. If you want God to be first in their life, he's got to be first in your life. Do you dally around with him instead of obey him? Our kids are watching. We're their instructional video. Um, Set the example of dedication to Christ in your attitude, your words, relationships, finances, time, the way you use your time, and in in the way you handle morality. Third, uh, we train our kids. We um, help them to, we set the example, and then we want to pray and work to keep their hearts. Now, your your kid's best friend is not going to discipline them, but... As you're disciplining your kids, as you train them, you can work to keep their heart. Proverbs 23 says, My son, give me your heart and let your eyes keep to my ways. The, the dad here, Solomon, is asking for a relationship and that their heart would track with the things that are important to him. And that, that's we've got to pay attention to that. Several times in my kid's life, I've, I felt like we were gaining distance. And... I would pray. First thing I would do is pray. Here's a little grid for how to keep your child's heart. Pray. (laughs) 
first of all. And then KID, show kindness, give them instruction, and discipline them in a way that's fair and it's for their good. That's what we can do. Show kindness, do good things that are meaningful to them, that help them with their goals. Instruct them, teach perspective, do what we've been talking about. When you blow it, admit it. They'll think you're, they'll think you're more sane if you admit it because you and you know, your child and yourself know if you've blown it. So admit it, ask forgiveness, aim to not do it again. And then use discipline that's fair and good. You'll keep your, your child's heart. Pray for ways to, to connect with them. There are some next steps that you may want to take as a result of hearing this message. First one is memorize 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. That could be a good. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Second, check out the folks on the family website. Maybe you want to do that. Let us, you know, just, if, if you want to take one of these steps, check it. Put it on the connection card as well and drop it. Good. Follow my example as I follow. First time, I'll yield my life to Jesus Christ. Maybe God's laid that on your heart. You, you've come to the point where you're ready to give yourself to him once and for all to follow him as boss. For the first time, I'll yield my life to Christ as boss. There's also the parenting challenge that's coming up. And uh, if you would like to attend, let us know on the back of that connection card and tell us if you need child care. That would really help us for planning. But that's going to be very helpful to give us a perspective on the challenges of raising a child to maturity in today's world. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word that guides us and directs us and gives us the, the help that we need, Father. I thank you for the, the strength that you give to follow you as we give our heart to do so. And I pray that you'd give us the strength to follow you and to take these steps that you've laid on our hearts to take. We ask for your help in this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.